All righty. So we're here. We're here. Uh, I got a good question for you. Go for it. So uh, who's a character, and this could be like Marvel, DC, Image, whatever, that you would love to see the Venom symbiote on? Oh, can we get Batman with a Venom symbiote? Oh. He already he already has the color aesthetic going, so that would be fire. Oh, it would. And then he actually gets power, so. Wait, wait, hold up. And wait, what if his suit, like, just, just he just ditches the cape? Ooh. And it becomes kind of like the Batman Beyond suit. Yes. And he can just grow with oh, oh that's, that's the best suit. <laughs> oh, that's oh that's actually oh that's actually super good. That's actually super good. Oh, oh goodness. Oh, dang. And for me, for me, right? I was thinking, man, I was thinking extra small. I, I was thinking Bane. <laughs> oh, because he already got the venom serum. That's true. Give him the venom symbiote. What's gonna happen? <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking extra small on that one. All right. Well, well, my dear subscribers, our dear subscribers, we are here today. Uh, firstly, I'm Demetrius, and I'm Demetrius, and Meech and Meech presents the Blurred City Podcast. Oh, and as I said, we got a real special episode for you all today. And but before I do that, we gotta hit you with that legal spiegel. So the purpose of this podcast is to explore digital and print media, all respective sources we reference are owned by their respective companies, and our thoughts and opinions are strictly our own and do not reflect any biases or corporate agendas. Your discretion is advised. So, well, firstly, we got to have to hit you up with the what's hot segment, you know, the time where we figure out, hey, what's hot, what's new, what's out here in these streets. So... What you got for us? Yep. So just as an update to the listeners, we're actually recording this podcast before the previous uh, Nope Review podcast drops because of scheduling issues. But for what's hot, we're going to just like follow up with what we missed from Comic-Con. So we're going to touch on the big one uh, that covered, but I just want to give credit first to Black Adam. They dropped a teaser. Shazam, Fury of the Gods dropped their first ever trailer. The other two movies that we should be excited for DC didn't get a trailer for reasons. And then <laughs> also uh, Marvel dropped the phase five, phase six plans. Uh, I think we're going to get in a real big conversation about that. Probably season two, just based on um, scheduling. But for the biggest one, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever trailer. Oh, oh my goodness, bro. I'm not ready for this movie. Bro, I was crying in that teaser. I Listen, I know it comes out in November. I don't know if I'm going to be ready by then. Dude, that's, that's B-Day month for me. I, yeah, I, I, I have no idea, like, how they're going to handle that at all. Like, I, like, a part of me wants them to just, like, handle the Chadwick Boseman part in the beginning and then we can move on but I feel like even that would just be too disrespectful and dismissive of how great of like a human he was mm -hmm. um, but just the introduction of Namor like in the trailer I got the Avatar 2 vibes of just like the water and stuff like that and the beauty of how it was shot and the blue and, uh people exactly and then Marvel did the ultimate flex, like when they started the trailer, and then how it showed Marvel Studios. Like oh, oh, on us. I was like, oh no, nah, y'all, y'all didn't have to do this to me, bro. I'm not ready. Like when his mom was like, "Yo, I am queen of the most powerful nation on the earth," 
my and family I, is it, gone. I'll, all of them. It hit like, oh my gosh, not ready. But, but bro, did, did you notice who else they uh, put in there? I saw a heart made of iron. Oh, 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 she, she, she in there. Uh-huh. I'm like, hold up. So is, is this going to be Riri Williams in, in the suit? Is, is that what she I'm has doing? her own show? But I mean, she has a show coming out next year, Iron Heart. I yeah. think it's next year, right? But yeah, um, I don't know if she'll be the Panther though. Oh, oh no! I, I was talking about her, oh, her Iron Heart suit. I'm like, uh, are, are we getting, are we getting her in, in her, in her suit? Well, they introduced Black Panther in a non-Black Panther movie, so it's possible. Hey, I, I'm, I'm just here for it. I'm just here for it. Uh, yeah, and. Actually, going along with that, they also like re- released a teaser for uh, DC's Vertigo Sandman. Mm, right. And and actually, like they released a clip, and it was it it also hit me in the feels because it was just basically death, and she just like was go- and of course played by wonderful, wonderful sister, uh, and she's like basically comforting an old man as he dies. Uh-huh. And he just and like he's praying and like he's praying like right before he goes and you just like oh like oh that oh that's such a peaceful way to go uh-huh. so oh yeah so 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 San Diego Comic Con they just hit us with all the feels and all the yeah all the emotions but but yeah so hey today as a, our listeners we actually have a special. A special type of episode for today so if you have if you're a part of our patreon and you listened to like one of the first episodes we posted on there you should kind of be familiar with this it is known as the character analysis basically what we're doing right now is we're taking a character in fiction and we're basically analyzing them you know seeing like their story their personality see like their relatability to most people like what lessons we can learn from them and just seeing like how like hey how we can apply the character so what better way than to kick off the character analysis than with the goat <laughs> with my favorite character and if you know who it who this character is then uh congratulations you get a digital cookie <laughs> none other other than venom now yeah. now i want to be now i want to uh, give a little bit of a disclaimer we are primarily going to be focusing on Eddie Brock, aka the first Venom, and pretty much we're focusing on him and the symbiote. We may touch upon like the other hosts, specifically when it comes to our analysis on the symbiote itself, but we're not getting too deep into those guys because uh, if we did that, we'd be here for a few years. <laughs> And I can go on forever with it, but uh, I, I, I'm sure other meet here. He he probably he probably wouldn't be down for that right about now. Well, for one of the hosts, I'd definitely be here for it. But yeah, I'm ex- super excited for our in-depth character study. I know when we did Gar of the Sand, that was extremely fun. It was just like getting a look at a character that you know we love, but just from a different perspective and breaking it down. And then just even throwing out the Venom character study where we were trying to figure out what we want to talk about next. Venom being like a top three character for me, a top one for you, um, depending on the day. But just like 
yeah, it's just the excitement that we both had with it. I'm definitely ready to get into it so we can just chop it up. All right. So, hey, what better way to talk about it than the first appearance, right? So the first appearance of, you know, the symbiote itself was actually in an Amazing Spider-Man issue, issue 252. And with that, it just basically like, hey, Peter Parker just came back and he was sporting out that sexy black suit. And you're just like, hold up what what's what's with all this he like he, he wasn't wearing the traditional red and blues anymore he you learn that the suit can like camouflage and shapeshift in different clothing he doesn't need web shooters anymore and you're just like what's going on here and and soon after like some adventures and of course seeing the origin where on in secret wars issue number three you you learn that uh this the suit that he's wearing because he, like the rest of us, was under the impression that it was a technological suit. Like, it was techno- alien technology. Nah, that sucker was alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. And and Parker decided to ditch that thing with the quickness. I mean, I'd say, uh, I I mean, of course he, he got rid of it because, like, it was... It was like sucking out his energy, you know, he was being lethargic whenever because it was taking his body at night while he was asleep. But but still, I mean, you, you, you're too hasty with getting rid of the suit, Parker. But uh, but yeah, but once we get to that, we actually end it like he gets rid of it at the, you know, at the church, which is super symbolic <laughs> was super symbolic. And then it ends up going on to this. Uh, this character that you you don't see until issue 300 or it's technically 299 at the last page but 300 with with young boy brock yeah so for eddie brock i don't even know like since there's like multiple backstories which one to even start with but essentially him um being a reporter i know from the one that i was reading where he was like a liar basically and he would always just like make up tales repeatedly so he could get approval from people and then being in that position where he as a reporter was reporting on the sin eater uh which was a serial killer at the time he was in contact with someone that said they were the sin eater but it turned out that it in that edition, it was a lie. And then Spider-Man ended up being the person to catch him. So then from there, Eddie Brock ends up blaming Peter Parker for his fail. Well, not Peter Parker, but Spider-Man in general for his failure as a reporter because he catches the real Sin Eater. Oh, yeah. And 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 just to add on to the uh, to the Eddie Brock, like Eddie Brock, this ain't your day, pal. It let's see. His wife leaves him and Ann Wayne gone. Father disowns him, which, in my opinion, was kind of a good thing because he was a an abusive uh, piece of crap, anyways. Mm-hmm. But and and then and then it turns out like, oh yeah, and now I got cancer too. I'm like, right. well, dang, dang, Brock, you, yeah. If 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 that was how life was given to me, it's like I, I I don't know, I I might not have made it either. Yeah, so, I mean, like he was at the church to basically end it all. Yeah. Sense. Yeah, to unalive himself, but before he could, uh, a little black goo from the stars decides to bond to him again in a church, like <laughs> a, some darkness decides to enter in a church. I, 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 I mean, there, there's some symbolism there. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We may get into it later, but, uh, but yeah. So once he bonded to it, he got all the powers of Spider-Man, 
but even more so, he got all the memories of Spider-Man. So he knew, he knows who Parker is. He got a vendetta against him. And so and, does the symbiote. And, and, and the symbiote. Oh, that, that thing is a jilted lover. So uh, it got oh, so many repressed and angry feelings. Uh, but, but yeah, now it's their job to, to go and end the boy. To end your boy, Spider-Man. He... And the L's that that Parker took in that first appearance was was legendary. <laughs> yes. Well, I think it was just really, like really cool, like how they introduced him, where he gets rid of essentially Spider-Man's Spidey sense, which was kind of his uh, cheat code in a sense. Where Spider-Man is that Spidey sense gets him out of so much trouble. But for the introduction, for the ones that I read, um, Amazing Spider-Man three hundred where it opens up with Venom kind of like shell-shocked, leaving Mary Jane shell-shocked, but then also hunting Peter Parker. And Peter Parker feels it, but it's not his spidey sense. It's just like the normal human sense of like, oh, I'm paranoid. So like to even just leave him in that position was like wild. Yeah. And and like even after Brock took that first L, when he came back, it was monumental because of the fact that at this point in like Marvel comics history or in just comics history in general, whenever you had like an anniversary, like issue, you know, like issue 100, 200, 300, whatnot. Uh, if they introduced the character in that, uh, in the issue, typically that character almost always died or just disappeared for good. Mm. So when he came back in like issue 317, it was like, Oh, Oh, this boy's here to stay. And that's staying power. Yeah. And that is a big thing because, like, hey, Eddie Brock, he was the first one to, like, hey, I ain't about to be one of those uh, one of those fodder characters from other anniversaries. Nah, I'm I'm here, and I'm here to take bodies, and <laughs> yeah. bodies he caught. Like, he, and at this point, like, when he, like, comes back, like, of course, he's doing a lot of the same things, like, you know, just stalking Parker. Uh, just showing up like at the Daily Bugle, showing up at his home, showing up at Aunt May's. You know, he's just showing them, I'm him. Obsessed, I yeah. Like I am him. I can I can murk your family at any time, but I'm not going to because. And this is the thing. It's like he has a whole thing about innocence mm-hmm. and how he doesn't like hurting or killing innocents. And the only time he does is whenever they stand in his way of his one true goal. And that is heading, that is putting Spider-Man on a t-shirt and sending <laughs> him straight to the afterlife. It's so interesting, like seeing Venom like that, because growing up, I always envisioned him more villainous as like, okay, not necessarily, you know, not pretty protecting innocence in a sense where i thought he was much more like (laughs) venomous dangerous but in a sense because like in the games like i remember spider-man web of shadows which is like probably my favorite one spider-man game is like it's essentially a symbiote takeover and then there's another one where you can play as venom uh, ultimate spider-man yes and you can actually eat people and then like Mm -hmm. it gives you energy so i just remember being able to do that and just like even with venom being much more you know sinister in that sense but like actually getting a chance to like reread his origins it's like he wasn't he wasn't carnage which we'll get into later oh, oh we're gonna get into that to that piece of work but but yeah as you as you mentioned just like 
he is like he's one of those few that was like super complete like you think just from his appearance you know being like a bulky spider-man with a big gaping mouth which uh as you know he's created by Todd McFarlane you know future creator yeah. of Spawn uh so he 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 one of my top three and also like in over time like his design improved you know like people like Mark Bagley like giving him like extra isms and then income Eric Larson who gives him like his giant mouth and the tongue and the drool and whatnot just make him look like a whole monster mm-hmm. and and like that really goes to like and you think like oh yeah no nah, there ain't no redeeming qualities but like even kind of similarly early on you start seeing more redemptive qualities in Brock which I know the reason why it's because like his popularity is through the roof and in fact, I don't know if you know this. This little fun fact is that, like, originally Eddie Brock was supposed to die, mm. and and like their whole plan was that for the symbiote to move on to different people, and they all become Venom and co after Spider Man. Interesting. Interesting how uh how time works now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when when people when almost everybody gets to become Venom, but uh, but but that's the thing. Like Eddie Brock didn't die. He got to keep the symbiote and he got to keep staying a problem with Parker with that black air force energy. But, <laughs> but really we move on to, as you mentioned, carnage. <laughs> oh boy. All right. So where do we begin? So, all right. So by this point, uh, Eddie Brock, like he was in prison. Like he had, he had got, he took the L from Spider-Man um, and he was in prison. He was separated from the suit. And he had a cellmate uh, entitled, and his name was the Joker. Oh, sorry, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. All it's, right, oh, it's Cletus Cassie. I'm, I'm sorry. I just see a a curled hair maniac, <laughs> psycho murderer with a giant grin on his face, and I just immediately assume the Joker. Mm-hmm. And, and he also had pale white skin too, so I, I, I ain't trying to hear it from y'all. <laughs> uh, but. But yeah, so like he was he was cellmates with this psycho murderer. And when the symbiote came back to bond with with the uh, with Venom once bond with uh, Eddie once again to become Venom, unfortunately, uh the symbiote he he left his spawn there. And yeah, yeah. And his spawn ended up uh, going into Cletus Cassidy's blood, and that's where you get the red, the red menace himself, Carnage. Yeah, it's so crazy just that like how Carnage, like, they do share the same weaknesses of fire and sound, which we'll touch on later, but for Carnage to just be so much more powerful than Venom is insane, and just like the Birth of Carnage comics that we uh, read before, where it's coming off of Spider-Man getting the brakes beat him off of him by Venom to the point where he had to fake his death, and he's literally, <laughs> like, he is literally, like, oh, you know, since he left him left Venom on the island, he was like, oh, I got to go get this guy because I cannot stop Carnage. And this is where we talked about earlier where Venom is like, he protects innocence and Carnage is, he has a symbiote on a serial killer. So like just going absolutely insane, attacking anybody without any just like hesitation at all. So when Spider-Man goes to recruit Venom, he hits him with the innocent cars and that changes the dynamic for him. Yep. And from there, he's like, Hey, we is like that's when the first of arguably many partnerships between Spider-Man and Venom came about again because his popularity is through the roof. And what better way right. than 
then to make the character even more popular is to turn him from a villain to an anti-hero but yeah that was his journey to becoming an anti-hero it's like stopping carnage the first true like threat that caused both of them to team up to try to stop him right and and it's also like really great too because i remember this this comic panel like seeing super well is that like when all three of them are fighting carnage just chucks a baby out of a window yes yeah wild and like again that shows like uh like um that's terrifying but then you see both spider-man and venom go to catch the child and it's venom that catches and holds the child and mm-hmm. not spider-man like spider-man he, he's always going to be the hero like you always get that but it's right. kind of like an establishing moment for venom it's like hey hey this this child is this child is is precious it's innocent and and you try to murk them i'm gonna have to come for come for your receipt yeah i appreciate that that was definitely just like it showed that there is good in eddie which is a recurring theme even though there is a lot of darkness in him mm-hmm. yeah so moving on and after like more ventures you know uh like carnage is defeated spider-man betrays venom and send him to prison which is actually kind of a which I'm just like, um, Demetrius, uh, can, can you explain why uh, Peter Parker is your favorite character? Because uh, that was kind of a... He couldn't let him loose. He couldn't let him loose. That was, that, that was scummy. I All mean, he knows is the villain. But like, you know, we're going to get into like anti-hero stuff later. But all he knew was the dude literally tried to kill me. And, you know, they put a truce. So, but if you think someone's a villain, you don't think they're going to honor the truce. So... And basically he broke the truth before he believed venom could <sighs> i mean captain america probably wasn't doing it but uh but okay. uh, iron man hey hey hey, hey i'm thinking cap all right so 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 you better get that out of your mind but uh, but yeah so like okay so after that betrayal there's like some more adventures that are happening so like of course, Venom like renewed his hatred for Spider-Man. Like he kept going after him, and then an interesting moment happens where where Anne Wayne comes back into the picture, like his ex-wife, and she was about to die from a fight between Venom and Spider-Man, but then Spider-Man saves her, and and it kind of somewhat was like okay, that was kind of like the starting point where they had a true like truce. It was like okay. Okay, here's the thing. I'm a like a Parker. Here's the deal. I'm gonna leave to San Francisco and go be a hero and be in my own comic book. And then <laughs> you can just stay here. If you don't come after me, I I won't have to put the pause on you. A separate coast. Yep. We we on <laughs> East Coast versus West Coast, Two baby. Versus Biggie. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The, the beef beef ran ran its course, and now they on opposite coasts, where Venom is now basically being the Spider Man of San Francisco. Yeah, AKA I, the lethal protector, which is probably one of well, it's his initial defining run, run I believe, as like established as an anti hero. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, from there, it's like. He goes on many different merry adventures. Uh, of course, in his first adventure, you know, he goes against five other symbiote children right. of his. But, and unfortunately, Spider-Man did break the truce again. Yeah, yeah. It was, mis- it was mis- misinformation. Look, <laughs> a, a, 
sir, sir, that's that's two times. That's well, two times. Well, right now I'm reading the um the immortal Hulk, and a lot of times when you see the Hulk, it's like, oh, it's the Hulk's fault. For like with this specific comic, they showed, oh, there's destruction going on in San Francisco. It's Venom. He's causing trouble. And then he's like, oh, I thought our truce would hold up. I guess I got to go see this man. And and of course, when he gets there, I mean, Venom had to put the paws on him like he held up his end of the deal. He did. But but, but of course, like everything comes to light. Venom and Spider-Man team up once again and Spider-Man leaves them alone for a yeah. long time. Do we want to get into like what Venom was actually protecting and stuff like how that oh, yeah. established him? Oh, yeah. So essentially, like when he's in San Francisco, because of the fact he's a wanted criminal, he he's pretty much like has no place on like getting a home or anything like that. And of course, his father's there, but of course, his father don't want nothing to do with them. So he ends up living with a bunch of homeless people. And these homeless people live underground in the in basically old San Francisco that uh that basically went underground after the real life San san francisco uh earthquake Mm -hmm. and uh and so like venom basically now part of this community and he's protecting them from carlton drake and the life foundation which was cool oh yeah so you you're seeing some some new characters come into play to kind of bolster venom's rogues gallery if you will so like you got pretty much people in digging suits that fire sonics you got like a whole organization again life foundation who the jury weapon oh we oh let's get into the jury <laughs> oh <laughs> boy smoke. oh boy is the jury not an example of of your past coming to bite you so yep so like in this case like venom's first kill like his first kill of an innocent person which was a security guard at the prison he was staying at happened to be the son of this guy uh of this guy and he and he pretty much funds an entire mercenary task force unit with stark tech levels of suits mm-hmm. with the sole purpose of run me that fade venom i need you on a t-shirt asap and and so yeah like that's his that's another one of his Rhodes Gallery, and they and they all decide to come with the smoke. Yeah, it was definitely just cool seeing it. Um, that whole story arc, and then even him towards the end of it, when uh, Roland Trees was gonna blow up the encampment. Either way, and he like goes into the fire, knowing that it's like the symbiote's weakness, and he still like protects the people. So again, that even helped with Spider Man just being like, "Oh, Venom, you're you're an okay guy now." So. We can we can actually part ways and I can entrust you to being the lethal protector and then also that community embracing him. So, yeah, that's like really him turning good in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like his true steps to becoming a hero. But of course, San Francisco wouldn't last because, as you know, in comics, status quo is God. And (laughs) and he gets put back on a plane to New York, of course, in time for maximum carnage, baby. Oh, boy. (laughs) Where, where Carnage decides to escape, form his own family, and decides to go go ru- run roughshod on, on all of New York. So Venom, Spider-Man, and a bunch of heroes had to team up to try to take him down. And, of course, and that's, again, another moment where Venom and Eddie are, like, truly... They were... 
They were united for a while, but mostly for Carnage. And then their differences come about mostly when it comes to like what to do with them. As you know, Spider-Man, Paragon of Good, lock him up, throw away the key. Venom, nah, we got to put him six feet in the dirt. Because mm-hmm. again, I'm a lethal protector. I can't be protecting folks if I ain't lethal yeah. with my methods. But but yeah, now, and now let's get into a moment where things kind of changed up for Venom. And for Venom and Eddie, where in the Marvel Knights series, they separated because Eddie Brock, he ended up watching The Passion of the Christ and had a, he literally did. And he actually had a Christian reawakening because, as you know, like, I mean, again, he was at the church when he was about to off. So, so he's actually been known as a devout Catholic throughout right. like his whole, that's part of his character. He was a devout Catholic. Not so much now, but he pretty much like goes and like he decides like, okay, and penance for like all the murders I've been doing and all my sins, I'm going to like sell the sell the symbiote off at a at a supervillain auction, use the money for charity of all places. Yeah, right. And then in the Marvel Knight series, he was gonna off himself again. Uh, but but fortunately, fate have it that he. He survived his uh, attempt on his life. Mm-hmm. And now we get into like the separate journeys of Eddie Brock and the symbiote. Yep. So we can like kind of fast track the first two, I believe, symbiote hosts. So you mentioned it in one of the first episodes. So the first one being Angelo Fortunato and his <laughs> dad wanting to man him up. But unfortunately, Angelo was a coward. So like you mentioned, people can look up that episode where essentially... He's fighting Spider-Man. Spider-Man starts giving him the hands and the feet. And as he escapes, the the, yes, as he escapes, the Venom symbiote is like, yeah, you're kind of a coward. Um, You don't have a lot of Venom in you. So while we're jumping over the rooftops, I'm just going to leave you. Uh, have fun. <laughs> have a nice fall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Again, one of my favorite moments. And also, as you see, like, you just see like Eddie Brock, he's kind of the repentant one, but the Venom symbiote's full on bloodlust. Yeah. Uh, and that only gets magnified by the next Venom host. Being Matt Gargon, all, AKA the Scorpion. Oh my goodness. Okay, so. <laughs> Matt Gargan, as you know, like, is, as you know, former Scorpion, uh, he hadn't, well, he appears in the MCU movies, but he, he hadn't become Scorpion in the mcu movies well apparently he is because with the spider-man freshman year thing they're gonna have a minute who knows who knows who knows but uh but yeah so like he bonds with the venom symbiote and this is where you know oh man the venom symbiote is kind of on a is on one right now because Mm. this is where like his cannibalism goes on goes from one because like a Brock, he ate like one person and that was it because he always threatened to eat people's reins and he actually fulfilled on it one time. Mm-hmm. Keyword being one time. And but with Matt Gargan, it was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna eat everybody. I yeah. mean, so like he's pretty much like a major problem for Spider-Man. Uh, but the thing is that he's actually weaker. Well, he started off weaker than Eddie Brock because of the fact like Eddie Brock had more of a personal hatred for Spider-Man than Scorpion did. And that's why, like, their bond was slightly stronger than than Max. But over time, like, nah, he became a whole monster. He was a whole demon. 
Yeah, and um, he had a lot of like, I think what was cool, just like the different affiliations that he has, some of which we're going to see in some of the new Marvel movies. Oh, uh, yeah. Part of the Thunderbolts, like part of that villain faction. And then he became a Dark Avenger yep. as as the counterfeit Spider-Man. Sinister Spider-Man black suit. Oh, yes. And and his whole thing was, uh, hey, I get to be with the ladies, be a hero and eat people at the same time. I'm just like, bro, is is there anything that you don't do with with you? <laughs> but nothing good. Well, nothing bad lasts forever. But yeah, so actually, I do want to like tie this in with Eddie Brock a bit with the Mac Gargan Venom because at this time, like as you said, like as I mentioned earlier, like he came back, he's a like he's still alive, and he ends up encountering another supervillain named Mister. Mr. Negative, which you see mm. in the PS4 Spider-Man games. That was good. And he touches uh, a Brock, which cures him of his cancer, but has the side effect of merging his white blood cells with the remaining pieces of the Venom symbiote inside him, mm. turning him into anti-Venom. Woo! And with that, like, because of course, like when he does that, Spider-Man and Venom and Matt Gargan, they they beef and they they fighting. Really? And then Eddie Brock pops in, and when he becomes anti-Venom, Spider-Man and Eddie Brock is like, hey, remember all those times like I saved innocent lives? Like, yeah. Hey, you hey, you wanna uh hey, you wanna call a a true truce and like we we no longer beefing with each other? He's like, Yeah, you wanna Oof. go kick kick Mac Gargans behind? Oh yeah. The alliance forms. The the Oh, I say this was the beginning of the brotherhood. <laughs> yep. The brotherhood of Spidey and, and Venom. And and of course, like with anti-venom's new powers, which is purging everything, he pretty much almost fully purges at Gargan of the Venom symbiote. But of course, like that wouldn't last, like the symbiote would recover. But at this point, A Brock, like now he has a new purpose in life, which is murder any and all symbiotes because now he's has a has like a full symbiote hatred and curing people of their illnesses and disease as kind of a good person mm-hmm. which again is like stark parallels like you see Eddie brock even though he has a monstrous appearance is doing good the right. venom symbiote has gone full tilt into a monster yep and and yeah but now we get to move on to perhaps perhaps the second most famous host of the venom symbiote yeah or 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 on equal footing so much so that fans are still divided to this day as to which one is the best host i would say the one that we're teasing is definitely second most famous there is a debate about best oh yes and we are talking about none other than former peter parker bully himself flash thompson aka agent venom yeah this really revitalized the character for a lot of people um just because we always saw venom as that monster you know tongue hanging out brolic you know out of control but this one seeing agent venom just like a different name change having the weaponry like in the suit like we see the modification of the suit to like to a host which was a really just cool operation yeah and as such like flash thompson at this point like he's no longer a bully type like he's a good person uh of course had military training 
military training, lost his legs in an IED explosion. Uh, it's actually one of the realest, amazing Spider-Man issues of all time because there was no Spider-Man in it. It was just soldiers in the Iraq war. Uh, but, but like as Agent Venom, he's pretty much out there doing good mm-hmm. while also trying to keep like the symbiote's bloodlust and rage at bay while also struggling with his own like anger issues and and alcoholism right like and of course there'd be times where he he would lose control and as many would like to call it he'd volk out not (laughs) hulk out he'd volk out he'd vent him out Uh, he really yeah definitely just an energy boost and speaking of which now i even think about it the fact that sony they have their own venom but they left a suit behind and we see flash a lot in the the no way home series of spider-man so i'm actually interested to see how they would handle that if we get to see an agent venom on screen especially if they put him alongside venom so and if they do uh, again <laughs> take sony, you out the theater <laughs> like again sony you have a gold mine you got to execute it my boys yeah we just need more morbius movies Sir, I still haven't seen it. I, I still haven't either, and I, I, again, I promise you, I won't. Uh, but, but yes. Yeah, so as I said, at this point, like Flash Thompson, he's Agent Venom, and he's doing his own thing as a hero. And then we go back to the Eddie Brock side. Uh, there was actually this event called Spider Island, where all the people of New York was infested, was infected by a virus that gave at first gave them spider powers and then turned them to actual spiders but to cure everyone in new york mr fantastic decided to use anti-venom and his healing properties to uh and pretty much essentially he had to purge the entire anti-venom suit to create a cure for everybody mm-hmm. and eddie brock seen as a hero is like all that good and jazz but uh but he still was on that on that symbiote murder mission on that murder mission and and of course that puts him in the eye that puts flash thompson right into his scope because at this point he murdered like a few other symbiotes he's murdered hybrid and he murdered a scream i believe Mm -hmm. Uh, and unfortunately unfortunately as again fate would have it he would not be allowed to uh to be without a symbiote for long because this man ends up getting forcefully bonded to the toxin symbiote and as you guys know the toxin symbiote is the son of carnage aka venom's grandchild so so there's a whole lot of like familial like isms going on it's like the original host of venom's wearing its grandson (laughs) oh boy and of course, like when he's bonded with uh, Tyson, he re- kind of reverted back to being kind of that monster. Right. Like, like he, well, he never outright like attacked other people. Like he would never like harm innocents, except for that time when the Toxin symbiote was in full control of his body. But again, I don't attribute any of that to Eddie's fault because again, he, he was not in control at all. But when he was in control, he had again he only focused on flash thompson essentially flash thompson became his new peter parker 
it's so wild how that happens it's just like changing up the coins i really just like with the storytelling of the symbiotes in general is that not only is the symbiote taking on kind of the personality of the host in a sense but also we see that the hosts are actually struggling and eddie just struggling with the different abuses that he had growing up flash having his own like ptsd that he had to deal with and just like carnage well you can't really redeem him but just like that interlay of where we see the symbiote itself becoming its own entity aside from cletus cassidy yeah for sure for sure and uh, and it's like it's one of those things where like uh like we'll mention full on later about the relatability so like i'm not gonna get into it now but you you brought up like a whole good point about like struggling with your past but uh but yeah, so like let's keep on moving. So like Agent Venom, like of course, like Flash and Eddie Brock, they they form a truce again, not unlike uh with Peter Parker, but this time Flash Thompson actually keeps to it, where their whole deal was, hey, I'm just gonna keep my eye on you from the shadows. If you ever lose control, I'll be there to kill you. That's it. And from then on, like actually Flash Thompson had like a pretty good handle on the symbiote at that time. Yep. And he eventually goes and joins the Guardians of the Galaxy, becoming Venom the Space Knight. I'm just like, oh boy, we have been seeing Venom in space before, but let's see how this goes. <laughs> yes. But Bendis actually like decide Brian Michael Bendis, of course, you he, he a great pioneer, but uh he he gave probably one of the most one of probably like a good controversial kind of thing because of the fact that he gave the origins of the symbiotes he finally gave them the name of clintar and the fact that the world clintar is named clintar and how they're all like symbiotes are supposed to be uh like paragons kind of like essentially green lanterns Mm -hmm. and green lantern rings like the symbiote's supposed to bond with like people of good character they be heroes of the cosmos and decides like save the whole universe but there's a flaw in the sense that like if they bond with like an unstable or a corrupt host then them they themselves become corrupted again you kind of see that with both eddie brock and carnage right that's they're the most apparent examples because of the fact that like carnage psycho murderer and then eddie brock a jealous angry hateful individual but the symbiote was purged of these uh these negative desires and rebonded with flash and so like okay so it was like a fresh start essentially like hey we got a heroic venom for a new generation yeah and these are for the people who never knew that venom was a villain in the first place even though his name kind of implies <laughs> some uh some uh villainous aspects but I'm and not, his I'm, outfit is black so i'm i'm, I'm not gonna get into it i'm gonna touch it but but yeah so but yeah so like of course again things would not last so after that run ends oh we get into probably one of the most hated hosts of lee price take a deep (sighs) breath and get into it why do i begin with this uh with this like this piece of garbage okay (laughs) so the whole point of this was that like like this run or well i say run but it was like five issues with this guy but essentially the whole point of lee price was that he was supposed to take the negative aspects of all of the other venom hosts and be like a dark mirror to flash thompson 
and give us a more villainous venom once again. Now, I'm all well and good with that, but their execution was so wrong because of the fact he was, he basically just came off as a supreme edgelord. Uh, <laughs> I like, I, I mentioned it when I, I mentioned Spawn. Again, like, I love Spawn. He's probably like my second favorite character on, on like multiple days. Like, he, he flip flops with Venom sometimes, but, uh, but like, he was just a supreme edgelord. Like, he'd be edgy for no reason. But the, big thing the one thing that made us all hate him more than anything else was that he abused the venom symbiote <laughs> like when he when he bonded with it as you know like venom is like a partnership and sometimes the, the symbiote would take control of you against your will and and sometimes not so much this is the only case where the venom symbiote is actively wants to do good but the host is so villainous and like imposes his will on it that it forces him to do evil acts like, such as murder people. Yeah, that time of Flash just really changed him that we yeah. saw it like even like when he bonded to Lee Price, he wanted another good host and was excited to be with another soldier. But having it go the route that it did was not <laughs> to his benefit. Yeah, yeah. Again, flowers to Flash Thompson for, for getting us one, a great Venom a great uh, run, a great run, uh, a, a venom that is so great that he's actually remembered upon, and he actually gets a new, got a new symbiote because they they just could not leave well enough alone, and and they did not want to leave him symbioteless. But back on to Lee Garbage. Um. So yeah. So essentially, his whole motivation is all right. I got the symbiote now. I want to rule the criminal underworld under Black Cat because who? Because at this time, because of Supreme, Superior Spider-Man, Black Cat was a villain. Mm -hmm. um, but she, but of course, uh, Lee Price decides to say, hey, hey, I'm going to go ahead and try to kill everybody. And the Venom symbiote is struggling. And due to the fan backlash, they decide, okay, all right, all right, I see uh, things aren't going right. Uh, what's what's the best way we can remedy this with Venom? Ooh. Um. Oh, oh, I know. Let's bring back old Eddie Brock. <laughs> let's yep. let's bring him back home. Cause at this point, uh Eddie Brock, he had went on another adventurous toxin. He essentially had to fight uh he had to fight Carnage once again because Carnage decided to go for and this is actually one of the first times it like had a true Lovecraftian like style horror story right. where uh Venom was trying to get the I mean Carnage was trying to get the dark hold. And he he wanted to become a we wanted to summon Cathan and and bring about an age of darkness and all that guys and 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 Eddie Brock he pretty much gives up the toxin symbiote in order to stop Carnage. So at this point he's symbioteless again. So it's like okay, let's bring Eddie Brock right back in, and he manages to he manages to convince uh the Venom symbiote that it's strong enough to rip away from lee price with the help of spider-man uh so they they were a duo once again <laughs> they were both a duo once again and unfortunately reunited and it feels so good oh okay. yeah eddie and, brock is back and didn't cletus finish off the lee price era as well Oh, uh, we we don't get into we don't get into uh to that uh into <laughs> that greatness later, but uh, but yeah. So 
Venom and Eddie, they're back together. And as, and as I mentioned earlier, like both of them went through arcs. Like both of them went to arcs where they're trying to do good. So when they rebonded, they're trying to do good once again. They go on many different adventures, one of which was a Venomverse where they met multiversal versions of themselves and, and fought against poisons and whatnot. I'm not going to get into that story because it's, there's not much by way of development of a Brock or the symbiote mm-hmm. for the rest of that run. And then we get to greatness. <laughs> and now we get into perhaps one of the best runs of all time. Donnie Cates run. Yeah, Take so, it away. So the Donnie Cates run was really incredible. Um, just we're going to get into so much from it, but it definitely refreshed the character again of Venom. Um, just really cool seeing his origin story of Eddie changed, the origin story of the Clintarians changed, introducing Noel, who we'll get into later, but just like really defining Eddie and setting him up as a hero. And then seeing that development throughout, introducing new characters, um, backstory, just really incredible. So just even starting off, we see the introduction of not just the fact that there's another symbiote host, but the fact that there was symbiotes present on Earth before even Eddie or Spider-Man. Oh, yes. So we run into this man named Rex Strickland. So he basically gives Eddie a rundown after an unfortunate incident took place where where Venom just loses control randomly Mm -hmm. and he gets like a red spiral on his head and his symbiote changes from a white spider to a red dragon yep. and starts speaking an ancient language. So, so Rex Strickland, he pretty much lets like, he pretty much like knocks Eddie out and, and when they come to, they end up learning like, oh snap. Again, there was a whole battalion. Cause you think like when Flash Thompson gets the Agent Venom suit, cause he was part of the military, you think that was the first time they did it. No. They had it all the way back in like the Vietnam era. Right. And and like there were multiple soldiers who were venomized uh, or or just sim or symbiote up. Uh, but Eddie's attempts pretty and then eventually a symbiote dragon known as the Grendel being the inspiration for the whole Beowulf legend. Which is really cool. That's actually how they start the entire run for Venom. <laughs> yes. Again, as I said, this is how it starts. Okay. Like first six issues, you just get all this uh lore and uh and you see like the symbiote dragon pop up. Eddie Brock, like he like he was about to go fight him and then he gets uh kicked in the back of the head by 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 a real one. By a boy. By boy Miles, Miles Morales. Whew. Yeah, that was a good run too. Um, just even Miles having his own issues with a previous Venom and how that resulted in the death of his mom. But just even establishing why the Grendel and the Dragon, we then learned that the Clintars actually have a god, and his name is Noel. And if you've seen uh, Thor: Love and Thunder where the sword comes from is from Noel, which I think we both are kind of theorizing that the figure we saw on the ground was actually Noel. After reading this, I was like, oh, that had to confirm it because the picture is almost the same. But Noel essentially 
is he was born in the dark, like, <laughs> like Bane, but he more is the darkness in a sense. Uh, yes, 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 yes. No, no, the problem. I, so his whole deal is that again, like in the past, like he, he was born from the darkness and then celestials come in to make creation and Noel was not having any of it because like, Hey, you bring light to my darkness. I, you, you, you come up in my block and trying to gentrify it with life. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to run y'all's pockets. That's and- how you know, he's evil. Like they literally just brought light into the darkness. And he was like, no, y'all gotta die. Yes. And he creates all black, the necro sword, again, the same uh, sword that you see in Thor love and thunder. And he uses it to decapitate the celestial and that decapitated head is now known as nowhere mm-hmm. which you see in like gardens of the galaxy and whatnot uh of course the other celestials they decide to jump jump this um this demon nah. but they decide to jump him and and he gets banished for a little bit but that's where he he starts getting creative he starts get he creates like symbiote armor and he goes out and he tries to kill life itself and and he fights this one warrior and gets knocked out and that's where gord gets the necro sword but uh but we also learn from how he created necro sword this is where the symbiotes have their weakness of fire and sound mm-hmm. yep that's where that's where their weakness come from not from the fact that Oh, they're born in space, so like they wouldn't know what fire or sonics was, but it's actually because it was an echo. It's like generational trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh and and from there, like Noel, he pretty much he pretty much learns that, like, hey, if I just create beings from my own shadow, from the darkness, and infect others with it, I can control them. And that's where symbiotes come from, folks. <laughs> so he pretty much creates like a whole host of symbiotes to bond with people, to become his slaves, to enslave life itself, and then eventually end it. He creates the Grendel symbiote, which like is his, well, was actually his second symbiote um, apart from Necro, from the Necrosword. And it goes to Earth, start running roughshod, and then Thor comes in. <laughs> Thor decides to give him the old, the almighty uh schmackdown with Milnir, and that's and that stroke of lightning ends up severing Null's connection with the symbiotes, which caused them all to rebel against him, and uh eventually enwraps enca- him and encages him, and him being like wrapped in basically a cage of symbiotes that's where the planet of the symbiotes come from right because it's not a planet it's just a swirling mass of symbiotes and the word clintar is not (laughs) the name it is their word they're like language word for cage and so null is pretty much been on pretty much on that world sleeping for this past millennia but the grendel awakening and it ends up becoming Noel's avatar. Right. So basically just skipping on just a little bit. Uh, like, of course, Eddie, like he, him and the symbiote, like they, 
they pretty much are like stuck in space and then they start falling because Miles Morales end up saving the two of them and they fall because uh at that because at that point the symbiote was also kind of purged by Null, kind of echoing the uh Michael Bendis run where like hey the symbiote was purged of its evil in in the Guardians of the Galaxy, but then Null tries to purge it of its goodness. Yes. Oh my goodness, the parallels there. But but it but the process was incomplete, so it rebonds with Eddie, and and from there it gains new powers. Yeah, so just with the new abilities, like since he had a taste of the actual hive mind and the taste of a god, we see that Venom has wings now, which is really cool. So he has this real scene where he starts flying, which we've never seen from a Venom before. Then going from there, just to speed it along, he defeats the Grendel, essentially holds it in a furnace, yep. like a high level furnace, and it burnt. And Eddie like has to like use his own physical ability to hold the door closed. It burns his back almost completely, and Venom, in its attempt to try to save him, basically becomes brain dead in a sense. So it doesn't, it loses all of its personality. It can't talk to him. But we do really see like just a cool um, few scenes of Venom as a dog and Eddie's just like walking him. So I like I haven't seen Venom as like a separate entity from Eddie, Eddie like that before. But speeding along, we then find out that Eddie has a son named Dylan. Um, and that's like it's from Anne's kid. And we never seen that before. So just initially he believes that to be his brother. But once just like an issue with his dad arises because he goes to him then we see that he has a son, but then we also have an introduction of another Reed Richards, the maker who is, Ooh. who is definitely a problem, but like they always get the upper hand on him somehow. But we then learn that every character had every person that has the venom symbiote in them, essentially in their codex, uh, think of it as like in your spinal fluid in a sense of attack on Titan where you can't necessarily get rid of it. So going from there, the maker gives him a taste of the Venom symbiote again. And then we see that, okay, he gets a taste of Flash Thompson, who died after heroically saving the day from the Red Goblin at the time. But then just transitioning there, we have an invasion of the elves and we see a really cool scene where Eddie, he kind of loses the symbiote at the time because it essentially lied to him about his whole backstory. So we're going to get into retconning, but his backstory is kind of changed based on the Venom symbiote. So he gets a Dreamstone and is able to, of course, just use the symbiote, uh, get the power to be a symbiote again. But this then leads into a really fun run, which is the absolute carnage run. Oh, yeah. So so at this point, like in the background, Cleus Cassidy had died after the end of Venomized, but uh, but a cult arises. The cult of Null revives Cletus Cassidy as Carnage, or or should I say, Dark Carnage, and and pretty much he gains more power than ever imagined, and his whole purpose is to reawaken Null by obtaining all the codices from every single symbiote host. So he's going to ground running roughshod, either digging up the bodies of dead symbiote hosts and ingesting their spines or going to the alive ones and uh, unaliving them. Chief example is 
Lee a price. <laughs> like the the man got his come up because uh he's in prison and and Cletus infiltrates the prison as Eddie Brock and transforms into Carnage, takes out his spine, eats it, kills him. That's the end of Lee Price. And we don't need to get to the weeds of that. But uh, <laughs> uh but yeah, so like absolute carnage is happening. Uh, Venom pretty much tries to do one-on-one on Carnage. Uh, that went about as well as you would expect it to yeah. because, uh, because of the fact that the symbiote and Eddie rebonded for the first time in a while. So like their bond was incomplete and plus they were still arguing in their heads because of the retcons that have been happening and what the symbiote did to Eddie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they decided to go call upon Parker. And reminder, this is a Parker post one more day. And so no one should have known who Spider-Man was, but Eddie Brock and the symbiote did, which I'm just like, bravo, <laughs> bravo. Thank you, Donny Cates. And, and there's actually like a good in-store reasoning for that because of the whole situation with the Red Goblin and mm-hmm. Peter Parker rebonding with the symbiote. But, uh, but moving along, like there's a many different like cool aspects. The art's been phenomenal, but uh. In story, right, you have like Spider-Man, like Peter Parker, he's going to recruit all the heroes who've been uh, bonded with symbiotes. And then you get uh, Eddie Brock, who's trying to protect Dylan, who still doesn't know he's his son. And then while also trying to like recruit other villains who who tried to uh, to be that. But unfortunately, his only choice, the only one he got to was Matt Gargan and uh, and Matt Gargan. He 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 got his uh. He got paralyzed because uh, Carnage decided to to run the ones. <laughs> and by Carnage, I mean the Norman Osborn Carnage. Oh, uh, yeah. I forgot to mention that at that point, Cletus Cassidy infects Norman Osborn with the Carnage because he was Red Goblin and mm-hmm. transforms him into Carnage because at the time, Norman Osborn thought he was Cletus Cassidy. Uh, roll with it because comics. Um yeah. But but yeah, we're just moving along speedily, heavily. Like of course, there are battles that be had. Uh, Venom merges with the Hulk, which the Immortal Hulk, uh, which which that was just a uh, yes sir. Uh, <laughs> uh, of course, a uh, Carnage ends up beating that version, uh, be- beating Venom Hulk, and then Venom ends up merging, and then Eddie Brock merges with all the codices that have been collected to become a new version of Venom. And he creates his own necro sword to kill Carnage, but unfortunately, Carnage put him in a lose-lose situation to where uh, if if he didn't kill him, kill uh, Cletus, then he would kill Dylan, and Noel would be freed because because then we learned that uh, because of the fact that that uh, Dylan is Venom. Eddie and Anne's child, like he's part Codex, uh, which grants him superhuman powers uh, to basically be the Neo, the chosen one of symbiotes. Uh, but yeah, he kills him. He he pretty much rebonds with the Venom symbiote. Unfortunately, he rebonds with everything. So Null gets awakened. And after an adventure where Eddie pretty much purges the Carnage symbiote and then goes out to... And then him and... Uh, him and Dylan end up going to the to a different universe where Codex lives, who's an alternate universe version of Dylan that works with Null, and meeting Anne Wang, who's Agent Venom. 
again those are great uh stories but but that's for another time we get to the king in black yes which uh just to simplify it the king in black so noel actually arrives on earth during the time where they're on a different universe and when they come back there are no more stars because noel has surrounded the earth and essentially a clintar prison eating eating the stars and all of light so that was his goal and the whole world essentially has to fight against him and he's already taking control of a lot of heroes at the time but like the first thing he does as soon as um eddie gets back is kill eddie so he removes the suit from him then drops him from a very very high distance killing him and from there we just see eddie he is now part of the hive since it was already established early on that everyone who has a symbiote is essentially still part symbiote or has that connection. From there, we see another Rex coming back. And then we also see Flash Thompson, who actually gets resurrected during this arc, which is really cool. But to just kind of simplify it, one of the coolest moments happens. I was literally thinking about it while reading it. And Eddie gets the Captain Universe uh, avatar essentially and er- everyone like who's like a comic nerd knows that captain universe does not bond to a lot of people it's only like the chosen ones and like i can only really think of like two people that had it and both of them are spider-man and both happened during kind of like different arcs for that but it's really cool seeing that uh eddie brock who is the ultimate villain getting chosen by the ultimate form of light and goodness being the enigma force essentially so from there he defeats noel and also becomes a god the new god of symbiotes yeah and just to like end the run because uh we're not gonna get into the current run of venom with uh ram v and al ewing because it's still ongoing so we don't know what direction they're gonna fully take and but at the end of the case run uh, Eddie, because of the fact he's the new god of symbiotes and he's still human, and so he didn't have the physiology of it, he rapidly ages to an old man. But uh, but that does give Dylan, his son, now becomes the new Venom, who now sports chains and has the dragon logo. And of course, uh, Eddie approves of it, and they pretty much leave the run as the new Venom venom uh and yeah like again phenomenal run but we're here to talk about the character right now so (laughs) let's let's dive into like hey what makes like the character like of eddie and the symbiote like really relatable and special for me it's literally initially how they got introduced as being a flip persona spider-man is one thing that's really cool just the black Spider-Man suit is one of the most iconic suits in all of just like superhero fandom. And for Eddie to come in as like the villain and not just stay there, but then have character development. We see in the retcon where he actually didn't have a sister, which was (laughs) definitely strange uh, initially, but um, him having his own tragic backstory, but the relatability is like, oh, I'm actually struggling. I'm not perfect and I have to wrestle with that because in the new run, he definitely wrestled with, hey, I'm not deserving of being Venom, but somebody has to do it essentially. And then that ultimate, like I said, being Captain Universe was like the ultimate validation of, hey, you're actually a good natured person. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I love those points. Um, 
And yeah, just like seeing his basically his turn from evil to good and him recognizing that like, hey, I have these faults and I kind of didn't handle them well, but I'm like handling them now and I'm handling them in a healthy manner, which is something that uh, I believe a lot of us can relate to. Like, hey, we all struggle with something, whether it's trauma or anything like that. But like how we handle it is like, the true mark of a hero or villain right but another aspect that i really love about the duo is just is just like how how much like the relationship between eddie and the symbiote kind of symbolizes different things it symbolizes addiction slash like addiction where like sometimes eddie like he couldn't be without the symbiote and then sometimes he hated that symbiote with a passion and didn't want to be with it anymore but then it also gets into like like exes and abuse and whatnot because like as you said like with the retcons in the case runs like the symbiote it gaslit the mess out of eddie absolutely yeah like it made him think that he had a sister that he didn't that never existed it made him think that like in his backstory like he was hit by a car when in reality he was the one driving the car that hit the kid right and then there was also the probably the biggest one is that it made him think he had cancer and also think he had a uh, uncle that had cancer yeah made him think he had an uncle that had cancer and also hid the fact that he had a kid right like like bro like all those things was like pretty terrible and the reason that the venom symbiote did all that was because it didn't want to feel abandoned again yeah because like like essentially spider-man breaking up with it kind of left like some major holes in the symbiote's heart if you will abandonment issues for real yeah yeah and uh, like and 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 that's extra relatable uh but but essentially like the symbiote itself like it didn't handle its trauma well so it tried to impose its trauma basically a way of its trauma to to eddie and tried to gaslight it into where like hey you'll never leave me right i I like how you said that because it definitely was that person that's like hey um we're they weren't even on the verge of a breakup but it was just like they create things that you like you have to handle together and it's like okay you need me in this situation or like i'm going through this situation i need you to stick with me and even throughout the, that entire Donny Cates run, we see them get separated so many times. But also, just to repeat, uh, they would always say we're stronger when we're together. And to see that play out at the end was like really beautiful because it starts off their entire relationship, you know, being at Symbiote is, okay, we both hate Spider-Man. That's our tying bond. Then it just goes from, okay, we're trying to do better. And then I abandoned you and then you come back to me. But then also just like, it's kind of like familial now. So Yeah, but yeah, most definitely, as you said, like the bond between them is perhaps one of the strongest bonds that you could have. Uh, I actually know like there's this book called Venom the End, which is technically not canon, but uh, essentially like the symbiote's like, it's like at the last days at the end of the universe and it goes over its past and it marks like, all of the hosts that it had and like what level of bonding it had is like 
like out of five stars, it was like Spider-Man was a one. Lee Price was a one. I think Flash Thompson was a four. Mm -hmm. But Eddie Brock was the only one that had a five. And that again, that just goes to show like like the two of them, like they everyone went through their trauma and and they realized that like only together without any of the extraneous like baggage that they have like right. and just all like the mistakes that they've made in their lives like at the end of the day if they if they work on it together they can get through it and eventually become eventually like overcome all the odds and go from go from a true villain to a true hero yeah which i think it's really interesting um even thinking about venom is that venom became essentially a hero through his own redemption arc and with the other two biggest spider-man villains in my opinion we have dr octopus puss who became the superior spider-man but he became quote-unquote good through nefarious means and then he still kind of has his own way of doing it but then we also look at the green goblin who actually never really had that redemption arc like he only got worse to the point where they had the red goblin arc which is amazing to think about ah yeah yeah and i love how you mentioned those specific spider-man villains because of the fact that like like again between green goblin dr octopus and venom those are the those are again three of his best like that's top, top three. three has to be hot jinx but uh <laughs> those are his top three in fact each one got a sam raimi movie um i'm not i'm not i mean well two and a half movies because uh two and a third almost honestly <laughs> and i'm not, i'm gonna get into that later but uh <laughs> but it's <laughs> oh man i'm gonna get into why topher grace is absolute garbage it's venom but uh <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so like at the end, as you say, like at the end of the day, those are like his three best, best like characters, right? And I think I do want to like update you a bit in the sense that Norman Osborn actually got redeemed. Like he's currently redeemed right oh. now and he's currently like on the good path. Let's see how long that lasts. But Dr. Octopus is back on his villainous streak, which I'm like, come on, man. You could have just ended a Superior Spider Man. That was the perfect ending. But, uh, but Venom is like the only one that did not do like what those two did is like uh-huh. just flipping back and forth, back and forth. Instead, he he went on his path. Sure, he had a, a like slight relapse. He well, sometimes he had relapses, sometimes he stumbled, uh-huh. but that's the nature of life. Am I right? Like sometimes we like try to kick bad habits, and sometimes we like like in weak mo- or desperate moments, we go back to those habits and end up uh, and like have those stumbles or like, or sometimes fully return back to like who he was before, before having another reawakening and realize, oh, dang, I am messing up right now. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to just get hit your rant before we get on the touch of antiheroes? <laughs> All right, let me, let me go ahead about this. So, Topher Grace, uh, he he's the absolute worst Venom. Um, I again, I would want to throw throw him completely under the bus, but unfortunately, it's not his fault. 
like why would it's not Sam Raimi's fault because Sam Raimi never intended for Venom to be in the movie in the first place. In fact, he was right. he was adamantly against it and he never understood the character. Uh, it was all on Sony. So I'm actually about to get on Sony for for pushing it on the man. So so firstly, why you you cast one of the scrawniest guys as 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 in comic one of the most buff dudes around and and two he was whiny and because and eddie brock does not whine <laughs> thirdly venom is scary and he take bodies tofu grace caught l's and he cried like a little girl. I am not here for any of it, fam. So y'all, y'all done messed up. If I ever, like, if y'all ever in 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 an alternate timeline or a multiverse somehow get a Venomverse movie, I need to see Topher Grace in it, but just to die. <laughs> like, if it's Tom Hardy and Topher Grace in there, and hey, whoever currently playing Flash right now, and he becomes Agent Venom. If you, I, all three of them be in a movie together, and then Topher Grace dies, I, I I will cry tears of joy for that. But but that's neither here nor there. It's like uh, I do, but yeah, let's go ahead and get into like the talk of antiheroes, and essentially like what's the appeal of them. Well, for antiheroes, we see just kind of starting around the Dark Knight era where we get into more darker tales of heroes. What you mentioned earlier where Spider-Man essentially betrayed Venom is I think with the heroes, when they were created, the world was very black and white. Them against us. Uh, Even war back then was more clearly defined between like the whole country versus this whole country, this part of the world, where now today everything's a mixed bag. There's a lot of skepticism um, and just doubt in general. And with an anti-hero, I think it takes the appeal of you can do good through nefarious means, Um, but it's kind of tricky because we get on Batman a lot. This is kind of where the hero anti-hero thing, we get on Batman a lot where it's like, okay, so you capture the Joker. The Joker escapes from Arkham. He kills thousands of people. You capture him again. You take him to Arkham. He kills Jason, quote unquote, kills Jason Todd. He did capture him. Yeah. And then you bring him back and then it's like, okay, he kills thousands of people. Like, how are you any better because you're holding on to a moral code um, than the Joker in a sense where like, even with the new Superman movie, uh, the the Man of Steel movie, where he mm-hmm. killed the General Zod, I was okay with that because he General Zod was literally about to kill people, and then people lost their minds because it's like, oh, Superman doesn't kill. But I think with an antihero, even a Deadpool, we see those shades of gray, which I believe nowadays people appreciate more, just because we have more access to stuff. There's a lot more self thinking. And it's a bit tougher. So I believe that's why anti-heroes are getting more love. Yeah, I, I really love that point too. As you say, like everything's in shades of gray. And I love how you mentioned like, hey, back in the day, like as you said, things were like more black and white. And like, again, like in the 60s and like the 60s when most of these heroes were created and right. characters were created, it's like it was easy to like see like, hey, you were a hero, you were a villain. And I say like truly, as you say, like around the 80s, I would say, psh, started at the at vietnam really i was mm-hmm. where things truly hit like shades of gray it was like like people started like started expressing doubt over like 
right uh, over like our tensions or actions and i believe at this point like people are starting to look at things more realistically uh, rather than more idealistically and that's kind of like a clear thing is like like you can have like ideals and whatnot but like if you look at like the reality of the situation look at the reality of the situation and see like hey this may like we may have to like either go through a like a darker area i know like morally it may be dubious but uh as you mentioned like hey the death penalty is still around for a reason so so yeah i think like people are are like kind of tired a bit there of like okay this person gets to go to jail and whatnot and also i think like a lot of the anti-heroes that are out there are super are relatable like like punisher for example oh yeah the man lost his whole family i mean like what what would you do if you had the capabilities of them and then venom i mean like eddie brock for example like he pretty much is like hey my whole life was complete trash like we basically had a we basically had a, have a whole episode dedicated <laughs> to just how relatable a brock can be to us and the symbiote and another big thing is also the fact that like hey i also noticed that like and this is probably gonna be like my last point is just the idea that of change because like in a lot of like the old like black and white stories a lot of the characters they either did not change like from their alignments like if you were good you were good and if you were bad it was you were stayed bad it was only like in like slightly more modern areas where like characters started like swapping alignments like willy-nilly like uh probably the one of the biggest examples that i can think of was superboy prime in infinite crisis (laughs) when he went full psycho uh just out of nowhere um or or how jordan becoming parallax like all that all coalesce like kind of around the same period in the same time where things were more gritty more realistic people were like less idealistic on like kind of stop seeing things as like and this 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 probably wouldn't happen or like for characters and whatnot right which which again is like it kind of bleeds over into today which is why shows like uh the boys or invincible is so popular because like they show a much more realistic side to everything and realistic side to heroes so that's kind of all i had on that front uh do you have anything else you wanted to add yeah that that touched it that that was our deep deep character study of eddie brock and venom so going from there we'll get into our sponsor for the day and our sponsor for today is the life foundation if you want to join an organization dedicated to studying alien life forms specifically alien symbionts well if you have any experience in the scientific field please come and join our organization uh however we do have to preface this by saying that if you are bonded to an alien symbiote you may or may not have to run these hands and run our pockets but uh you may or may not have a chance of dying so please come and join the life foundation and okay so now it's come to like a, a special segment called the come get your rose where we where somebody here we get to just give our rose to somebody while they are still alive uh like in the like in the will remix so i would like to give our rose to two individuals 
Donny Cates, and Ryan Stegman. You two are absolutely goaded. You two are <laughs> pioneered perhaps the greatest Venom run of all time. Donny Cates' writing is just amazing. It is bar none. Like you, you, you write pretty great stories, whether it's about fatherhood or just like or just making something just cool and awesome. And then Ryan Stegman, you just back him up all the way with your stellar art. It reminds me so much of just like metal and like heavy metal and just rocking out and just, and you just know how to just convey so much emotion on the page and convey everything. Like you guys are like a power duo. And I'm just so honored to like have met y'all in person and also virtually on your uh, Discord and Substack, the KLC Press. So like I like I'm honored to be able to know y'all, and um, I'm definitely looking forward to Vanish Number One for KLC by Image Comics because I know you guys are going to absolutely destroy it. So here you are, and please come get your roses. Going from there, we will dive directly into our recommendations. A lot of these are going to be comic books. Uh, one I want to give, the game I mentioned earlier was uh, Spider-Man Web of Shadows. It's actually like a Gen 3 game, I believe. So I played on the Xbox 360. I was on PS3. Came, so uh, if you have those and you want to get them, I'm pretty sure they're not updated. But going from there, we have Spider-Man Birth of Venom, Venom Lethal Protector, Maximum Carnage comics run, Venom 2018, the Donny Cates run, which has also Absolute Carnage and King and Black Titan, Spider-Man, the animated series. I'm not sure where you would find that, but the alien costume. It's actually on. Okay, so with those, that is on Disney Plus. And those three episodes pretty much encapsulate the new version of like the Venom origin that most people would actually think of. And it's like the first appearance of Venom in anything. So yeah, go check those out. And also you got the Venom 2018 movie and Let There Be Carnage, which you can only find to rent or to own. So go view them there. Yep. Go from there. You have any other recommendations? Uh, no, but I do have our plugs. There we so. Go. What we got for our plugs is our Instagram and Twitter at Blurred City 22. We have our YouTube and our Patreon, which is Blurred City Pod. Uh, with the Patreon, we can we upload us uh, exclusive content onto there, and it just just throw us a few bones to like help support us and to show that like hey, our podcast is actually doing something out here to our listeners and in these streets. And then finally, we have our Discord, which is located, which the link to is in our Instagram. So, so please come check us out. That's where you could like hang out with us, like see uh, what we have and see like, and see like just be part of an amazing community. And then finally, our email is blurredcity22 at gmail.com where we will, where that's where you can submit like your geek out freakouts, your uh your random fan theories of the week, and just any other like questions specifically for the Q and A for the last episode of our first season. And for my individual author pages, we have Mitri underscore dash for my Instagram, for my Twitter 
at the mad dash 16. And if you want to check out my book, Phantom Pains, a most irregular tale, it's available on Amazon. Moving forward, we're going to get into some villain talk next week, give you just a brief primer on different villains in different media and what makes a good one. And then from there, we're going to have our anime villain draft, which I'm super excited to have. So going from as usual, we're just going to leave you with some words of encouragement. And yes, so my words of encouragement is that despite your past, despite your baggage, despite whatever you have going uh, that you feel like you have going against you, it's never too late and it's not too, uh, it's never too far for you to make a change and to not let it define you and for you to essentially step out there and be the best version of yourself and and as i say like you can have like just an amazing support system and a support person to be there by your side that makes it all the better perfect you've stole the words right out of my mouth i can say it better myself so just as usual it's not goodbye forever it's just goodbye for now and that's the blurred city podcast see ya later